What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, I am here with my state of the franchise for the Arizona Cardinals, the Washington Commanders, and the Seattle Seahawks. Now, if this is your first time listening to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. I appreciate you for tuning in. Make sure that you follow me on all of my social media platforms. You can follow me on Instagram at JT Sports underscore. My Twitter is JT Sports underscore underscore. And lastly, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, JT Sports, if you haven't already. The Arizona Cardinals are in a very odd place right now as a franchise. Because if this was any other team coming off an 11-6 season and a playoff berth, many of us would be pretty optimistic about the future of the franchise. However, you look at the state of the franchise for the Arizona Cardinals, despite making it to the playoffs for the first time since 2015, there is a lot of skepticism regarding the future of Arizona. And there are a lot of Arizona Cardinals fans who seem to be unhappy with Cliff Kingsbury. As a matter of fact, I was kind of surprised at how many Arizona Cardinals fans were calling for Cliff Kingsbury to get fired after their wild card loss to the LA Rams. And Cliff Kingsbury, at least if we're judging him by his performance so far, he's been successful. Like there are a lot of coaches who struggle of making the transition from being a head coach in college football to being the head coach in the NFL. But yet, Cliff Kingsbury so far has been successful. It reminds you that Cliff Kingsbury wasn't a great college coach. As a matter of fact, he got fired. And despite that he got fired, Arizona hired him anyway to be their head coach. And, you know, it was a big gamble at the time when Arizona rolled the dice on Cliff Kingsbury. But if I were to ask you Arizona Cardinals fans the question right now, do you feel like Cliff Kingsbury has delivered so far as a head coach of the Arizona Cardinals? What would be a lot of you guys' responses? Because, like, I'm looking at what Cliff Kingsbury has done so far as the head coach of the Cardinals, and the Cardinals have improved under Cliff Every single season. Year one, they weren't that great. Year two, they improved. Year three, they're in the postseason. But yet, despite the fact that Arizona made the postseason under Cliff Kingsbury and had a pretty solid season, there is a lot of skepticism regarding Cliff Kingsbury's future as a head coach in Arizona. And there are a couple of criticisms that a lot of Cardinals fans have when it comes to Cliff Kingsbury. I'm going to name the two popular ones. The first one is that Cliff Kingsbury isn't great at making adjustments. In-game or mid-season, he's just not a coach who thrives at having to make changes on the fly. Like, Arizona this year, or this past season, excuse me, started out 8-1. They were... At a time, the best team in the NFL, in some people's eyes. And many people were starting to look at Arizona as a legitimate Super Bowl contender. However, second half of the season was a completely different story. So, 
Arizona's record, the first half of this past season was eight and run. Do you know what Arizona's win-loss record was after their 8-1 start? 3-6. They only won three games after their 8-1 start, and they lost six games after that, including their 34-11 beatdown by the Rams in the wildcard round of this past year's NFL playoffs. Then, another criticism that people have of Cliff Kingsbury is his play calling. His play calling at times can be predictable And kind of lacking logic at times. So like, what to make of Cliff Kingsbury? Well, at least for the moment, he's still the head coach of Arizona. And it looks like he's going to be the head coach going into the 2020 NFL season. However, is it fair to say that Cliff Kingsbury is on the hot seat going into the 2022 NFL season? Like, it's kind of weird. Because like... I think it's fair to say that the Arizona Cardinals exceeded expectations. At least my expectations because I didn't have Arizona making it to the playoffs. I had Arizona winning 11 games was my best case scenario. But my overall prediction was somewhere between 7 and 8 wins. I didn't really believe in Cliff Kingsbury. So like, it's kind of weird for me to take this stance on Cliff. Like, it seems like I'm kind of defending him. In which I kind of am because like I feel like too many people are overlooking the fact that Arizona has gotten better every single year under Cliff Kingsbury. Like there hasn't been a single season that you can say that Arizona has gone back as a franchise under Cliff. And I feel like not too many people are giving Cliff Kingsbury that. You got to give Cliff Kingsbury credit. Like if you're going to scrutinize somebody and you're going to critique somebody, you got to give them props and praise when they do something right. And I just think that, you know, this or disconnect between Cliff Kingsbury and the fans of the Cardinals. Like, what are Arizona Cardinals fans expecting out of Cliff Kingsbury that he's not delivering? And, you know, like, why is there just so much skepticism regarding Cliff Kingsbury's future in Arizona? Now, the owner of Arizona came out, I believe he came out, did a little interview, and he kind of cleared up, you know, what was going on with Cliff Kingsbury and the whole Kyler Murray fiasco. We're going to get into that. But, I mean, with the whole Cliff Kingsbury thing, it seems like he's going into the 2022 NFL season on the hot seat. And if Arizona doesn't make it into the playoffs, there is a pretty high chance that Cliff does return as head coach for Arizona in 2023. Then you look at the Arizona Cardinals. Their star quarterback, Kyler Murray. Um, he ended up having a social media cleanse. Okay, like he took down all his pictures involving the Arizona Cardinals and there were trade rumors and there were speculation about his future. And then, you know, the owner came out and said that, you know, we've talked things over with Kyler Murray. Things are good. We're about to start getting in conversations of negotiation talks because Kyler Murray is about to be in line for a contract extension. And you got to wonder, you know, like, what are, what, where's the disconnect between Kyler Murray and Arizona Cardinals? Because despite the fact that, you know, their owner came out and said that we talked, you know, like one simple conversation isn't going to clear up all the problems that Arizona has. 
okay? Like, there's more to this Kyler Murray situation than what meets the eye. Because, like, there's a disconnect somewhere in that locker room between Kyler Murray and maybe, you know, some of, you know, the other coaches on the staff, you know, mainly Cliff Kingsbury, you know, like, where's the disconnect? You know, like, why is Kyler Murray, your franchise quarterback, not happy? Like, is there, you know, some players that Kyler Murray wants Arizona to get that maybe Arizona doesn't want to get? Like, is Arizona not listening to Kyler Murray's input? Like, what's the reason for this? Or is there just some more, um off-season talk and speculation that people just always come out with. Like, it seems like every off-season, you know, a couple of star quarterbacks are disgruntled, not happy with their situation, and they want out. Is this just another, you know, off-season story that people just took out of context? Is this just some more off-season speculation? Or is there some truth to the whole Kyler Murray and Arizona, you know, disconnect? I think it's 50-50. You know, I think, you know, this kind of has been overblown. But another part of me also says that, you know, there is some truth to this. So when you look at Arizona right now, this is a franchise that you should be feeling pretty optimistic about. At least you would think based off the season they had. But I mean, the more we start to really look at how this season went for Arizona, you look at the ugly playoff loss they had to the Rams, and you had people calling out Cliff Kingsbury, you had people calling out Kyler Murray, and I think I remember one quote, or at least one um, article pretty much paraphrasing that Kyler Murray felt like he was the scapegoat for the Arizona Cardinals playoff loss, which, you know, like, I don't really think he was a scapegoat. You get what I'm saying? Like, I think he got a fair share of criticism for how he played, which he didn't play good. I think Cliff Kingsbury got his fair share of criticism. But, you know, like, Arizona should have way more optimism, at least you would think. However, there's a lot of skepticism. And I probably have to lie on the skepticism part of things because, like, it's really hard to, you know, get behind Arizona when you have so many things coming out about the disconnect that the front office has. So on top of that, you have the fact that Arizona has their star quarterback that seems to kind of be at odds with the organization right now. It's like when the organization from a front office standpoint kind of has these concerns coming out, you know, it kind of worries me. Kind of gives me a little bit of doubt. And then on top of that, you got to look at the fact that Seattle is going to be back next season. Like, I don't think that Seattle is going to have another season like last year where they're just completely off the cliff. You're going to have Russell Wilson fully healthy. You're going to have a team that has a good amount of money to spend and cap space. So Seattle should be better. And with Seattle, if they're able to get back to what they were before last season... You know, like, where's Arizona going to lie in terms of the NFC West hierarchy? Because the Rams are the defending Super Bowl champions. You got the 49ers, who a lot of people are really high on, with quarterback Trey Lance expected to be the starter next season. Then you also have Seattle. So where is Arizona going to lie in the hierarchy of the AFC West? Was Arizona able to take advantage just because of how this season went? Can they 
stay consistent with success? And that's my question about Arizona. And we're really not going to get the answer to the state of the franchise for the Arizona Cardinals until the end of next season. And it sounds crazy. You're like, JT, you just made a state of the franchise talking about the Arizona Cardinals, and yet you don't really know what the state of the franchise is right now for Arizona. You have to wait until next season to figure out what it is. Yes, I do, because like, There's just so many moving parts. You know, like, it seems like a lot of people still aren't sold on Arizona. So, like, why should I be sold on the future of Arizona? Why should I be optimistic about the Arizona Cardinals when, you know, you have concerns about Cliff Kingsbury having a lot of skepticism by a lot of people and a lot of fans not really behind Cliff Kingsbury, despite the fact that this is the best season that Arizona has had in years. And yet people still aren't sold on him. So if you have a head coach who leads his team to a very good season, one of the more successful seasons that that franchise has had in a while, but yet people still have questions regarding that head coach and concerns you know, it makes me raise a lot of eyebrows. And this thing that's going on with Kyler Murray kind of makes me raise some eyebrows as well. So I don't really know what to make of Arizona. But right now, I'm looking at the state of the franchise for Arizona, and I really don't know. And we're really not going to find out where this franchise is until after next season. Because after next season is going to give us kind of the answers that we're looking for. Are they going to be able to continue to improve under Cliff Kingsbury or are they going to regress? Is Cliff Kingsbury going to be able to improve his play calling? And on top of that, can Arizona under Cliff Kingsbury show that this can be a consistent franchise that is going to be a consistent, you know, team in the playoff picture and maybe, you know, find themselves in the Super Bowl window. You get what I'm saying? So, with Cliff, with Cliff, there's just a lot of questions. And a lot of those questions aren't going to get, you know, answered until the start of next season. And they're not fully going to be answered until the end of next season. So if Cliff, if Cliff Kingsbury has a good year, Arizona makes it to the playoffs again and whatnot, I think he's going to be back. But if not, and they miss the postseason kind of puts his future in jeopardy. So, state of the franchise for Arizona, really, really murky right now, out there in the desert at the moment. The last team that we have to talk about, we have to talk about the Washington Commanders. Not the Washington football team, the Washington Commanders. So, Washington had a really disappointing season. They went 7-10. Now, if you guys have been watching this podcast for at least a year, you got to remember that I had Washington, you know, making the playoffs. And I had them winning the division. And they didn't come nowhere close to any of the expectations that I had for them. And I'm not going to call Washington overrated. I felt like Washington... Definitely could have made it to the postseason, at least before the start of regular season. It's just that, you know, I overlooked a lot of things when it came to the Washington Commanders. Like, maybe I gave Ron Rivera too much credit 
for the success that he had year one because you got to take into account that the NFC East was the worst division in football. So Washington didn't really have to win too many games to get into the postseason. On top of that, there was, you know, the quarterback situation. Washington signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. I thought that Ryan Fitzpatrick would be good enough to get Washington to the postseason. And that didn't happen because Ryan Fitzpatrick got his season cut short very early and never returned. So then you had to insert Taylor Heineke. And a lot of Washington Commanders fans, you know, were really high on Taylor Heineke. And some people thought that maybe he could be their franchise quarterback when you look at the performance that he had in the playoffs against Tampa Bay. And although they lost that game, you know, like he performed immaculate in that game against the Buccaneers. It kind of was like a little bit magical, you know, but now looking at Taylor Heineke, we start to realize more that he's just a really good backup. And there's nothing wrong with having a really good backup quarterback. But in terms of seeing Taylor Heineke as the starting quarterback moving forward, that's probably not going to happen. And it looks like Washington is committing every single thing they have to getting a quarterback as a matter of fact I saw one rumor one report that came out that said that Washington is willing to trade any player for a franchise quarterback for Aaron Rodgers for Russell Wilson for Deshaun Watson now I don't know how true that is get what I'm saying like I just said that is a rumor but We pretty much get the point. We know that Washington is going all out for trying to improve the quarterback position. Now, the next question is going to be, who are they going to improve the quarterback position with? Now, a lot of Washington fans are hoping that they can land Deshaun Watson. However, I think that has like a 10% chance of happening. And the reason why I think that it has a 10% chance of happening is because a lot of you guys got to remember that Deshaun Watson controls where he goes. He has a no trade clause in his contract. So Deshaun Watson to get traded has to sign off and approve any trade. If not, the no trade clause is still going to stand. So therefore, Deshaun Watson does have some leverage in terms of who he plays for. And I don't really think that, you know, organization like Washington would kind of be his preferred destination. His preferred destination have kind of been bigger markets such as Tampa Bay, um... Philadelphia has also been in the mix, you know, now Minnesota, but we don't really know how legitimate the Minnesota claims are going to hold because they still have Kirk Cousins. So you look at Deshaun Watson, I don't really think that he's going to be, you know, a realistic trade option for Washington simply for the fact that I don't think Deshaun Watson would want to play for Washington. On top of that, I think there was already some room, uh, like a report that came out like, sometime during the season I forgot which week it was that said that Deshaun Watson doesn't have any interest playing for Washington then you have Jimmy Garoppolo out there now I think Jimmy Garoppolo definitely is a realistic quarterback that I could see Washington trading for I also could see them trading for Carson Wentz however those probably wouldn't be trades that many Washington fans would be happy with. However, you know, like, they are slight improvements from Taylor Heineke. Like, regardless of what people want to say about Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, like, he, he 
he's okay. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo is just inconsistent. You don't really know what you're going to get out of him game in and game out. However, there are games that he stinks, and there are games where he looks really good and he rises to the occasion. But if you're Ron Rivera, you know, do you want that kind of inconsistency? I don't really know. So when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo going to Washington, I do think that he is a you know, an option. However, I do think he's probably a last resort option for Washington. Like if Washington can't get, you know, the quarterback that they want in the draft or they can't sign one in free agency that they like or they can't trade one or trade for one, excuse me, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of going to be that emergency option that Washington goes with if they can't find nobody else better at the position. Then, Washington changed their name to the Washington Commanders. And you know, like, I'm not somebody who's really big on name changes and uniforms, don't really talk about it, don't really care that much about it, I don't get worked up about it. However, Washington definitely missed a good opportunity to go with the Washington Red Wolves, which would have been a way better name, a way more marketable name, because, like, I don't really think, like, the problem with the com the, with the commander's name is just like it sounds a little bit too basic, okay? Like the Washington Commanders, like you you probably could have did a little bit better than that, being honest. So the name change, you know, like I'm not too bent out of shape about it or anything like that, but you know, I kind of think that the Red Wolves was a little bit of a better option. You missed a big chance with the Red Wolves, man. Like, you could have made some crazy designs on the helmet. Like, really, the Washington Commanders is the best thing that you can come out with. And also, you got to take into account that Washington had two whole years to find a name. Two years, pretty much. And this is the best thing they could come out with? The Washington Commanders? Come on, man. And lastly, you know, Washington has $30 million in cap space. And you look at the quarterback market and free agency, there's not really going to be a lot there. Like, if Indianapolis gets where the Carson Wentz, cool. They release them, cool. However, I still don't think Carson Wentz would be the best available quarterback in the free agency market. I still feel like Jameis Winston is probably the best quarterback out there. And, you know, Washington would be taking a huge risk with Jameis Winston because he did have a pretty good season this past year with the Saints. However, that was under Sean Payton. Are you sure that Jameis Winston is this different quarterback? Or was he just a product of... Sean Payton's system. And is he going to resort back to the old Jameis Winston that we saw during Tampa Bay when he threw 30 interceptions? So, Ron Rivera is known as a risk taker. They call him Riverboat Ron for a reason. I just don't think that Riverboat Ron is willing to take the ultimate roll of the dice by signing Jameis Winston because, like, if you sign Jameis Winston, you know, like, you can get him for a pretty reasonable deal. Like, you're not going to have to break the bank, make him the highest-paid quarterback. As a matter of fact, you could give Jameis Winston a one-year prove-it deal and see what see what happens. But, you know, when it comes to the, the free agency market for quarterback, not really a lot of options there. So, if Washington's going to improve the quarterback position, it's either going to be via the draft 
or via free agency and even via the draft you know like Washington's options are kind of limited because there are a lot of quarterbacks in this draft class that aren't really day one starter material at the moment so really the quarterbacks by consensus that many people perceive to be you know NFL ready are Kenny Pickett Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral I think those are the three QBs that from what I've read in the articles and the people that I've heard talk about the draft, you know, those have been the three consensus quarterbacks who many people think could end up being day one ready for the NFL. So those are probably going to be the three quarterbacks that should be pretty high on Washington's list. However, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Washington take a little bit of a leap of faith and draft Malik Willis. Malik Willis is known as a project player, but he has... A lot of upsides. As a matter of fact, he has the most upside than any other quarterback in this draft class coming out. However, you know, there are a lot of things to work on. And plus, he doesn't give you an instant impact right away because he may struggle out the gates as a starter unless your offensive coordinator can come away with, you know, an innovative scheme for him. And I don't know if that's going to happen. So for Washington... You have $30 million in cap space, so you're going to have to try to bring back, you know, some of the wide receivers that you're going to be losing, Adam Humphreys, Cam Sims. Do you want to bring them back? I don't really think that they need to bring them back because I do like a couple of the other wide receivers that they have on their roster, and it's not like they need a star-studded wide receiver because you already got Terry McLaurin, top five, top ten, regardless who you depending on who you ask okay then you have slot receiver Curtis Samuel who was in and out of the lineup due to injuries last year so you get you another solid wide receiver and free agency you know your offense is going to be improved then when it comes to the offensive line are you going to be able to re-sign right guard Brandon Sheriff because it seems like Brandon Sheriff in Washington always can't find a way to come to an agreement with a new deal. So is this finally going to be the year that Washington just says, you know what, we give up, we're going to allow you to walk away. But I look at Washington, and I look at the state of this franchise right now, and I'm really concerned. Because pretty much Washington needs a quarterback. And if Washington is going to make it to the playoffs, they're going to need a good quarterback to do so. However... The options out there that Washington fans are hoping for, I don't think are really all that realistic. Like, it's going to be hard to make a Russell Wilson trade happen. It's going to be hard to trade for Aaron Rodgers. So, like, some of the more, you know, realistic options like a Carson Wentz or Jimmy Garoppolo, you got to wonder, is that enough? To get Washington into the playoffs, especially in the division where you have Philadelphia who made the postseason last year or this past season. Dallas is still one of the most talented teams in the NFL. Like, what about Washington? Get what I'm saying? Like, those two teams have their quarterbacks. You know, Jalen Hurts may not be as you know, established as Dak Prescott. A lot of people may not be as sold on Jalen Hurts as you would like them to be. However, you know, like, they're going into next season knowing who their starting quarterback is going to be. Meanwhile, the commanders don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be, and they're kind of hoping that they can get lucky and get a guy like a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. Like, if Washington is able to get one of those guys, 
It's going to be really lucky. And it's a really low chance that it happens. So you got to wonder if the quarterback you're bringing in is going to be able to get you to the playoffs. On top of that, you know, you still have some inefficiencies on defense that have to be sorted out. Like the state of the franchise for Washington right now, I'm going to say I'm not really all that high on them right now. Like I think that Washington isn't in a good place right now because like you need that quarterback. And right now the quarterback market and the way things are lining up in the draft isn't really in your favor. So I don't know if whoever's starting at quarterback for Washington next season is going to be good enough to get them to the postseason. And on top of that, you know, like I know it's early in the offseason, you know, like we still have months and months for Washington to get their quarterback, but some of the quarterbacks that they're looking for, they're kind of hard to get. And you got to wonder if Washington even has enough assets to get some of these quarterbacks. And if you trade for some of these quarterbacks, you're giving up some key pieces. So stay in the franchise for Washington you guys let me know how you guys feel about the Washington football team down in the comment section down below. I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast available on all podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from the JT Sports Podcast is available. All you got to do is type in the JT Sports Podcast on any podcasting platform and it will pop up. Every video that is uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on all these podcasting platforms. Make sure you go ahead, check out the JT Sports Podcast, leave a five-star review, and I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode. We got to talk about the state of the franchise for another NFC West team, and that team is the Seattle Seahawks. Now, Seattle went 7-10 this past season, and they missed the playoffs for the first time in a very long time. And, you know, you had the injury to Russell Wilson, but even when Russell Wilson came back after that injury, he it kind of took him a while to get back to the Russell Wilson that he was before that injury. And then on top of that, you know, like the offense kind of struggled to click at times. The defense still wasn't all that great. And Seattle ended up missing the postseason. Now, one of the biggest questions that many people had about the Seattle Seahawks going into this offseason has already been answered. And that was, what is the future of Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll is still the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And with Pete Carroll remaining the head man in Seattle, what changes was he going to make? Well, he pretty much made a complete overhaul on the defensive side of the football, at least when it came to his staff. He got rid of Ken Norton Jr., got rid of a couple other position coaches, and he brought in former defensive coordinator of the Chicago Bears, Sean Diossi. Now, I am really excited about this hiring of bringing Sean Diossi to Seattle because Chicago's defense was pretty good last season, and it could have been even better if the offense wasn't so anemic. So by going to Seattle, okay, now you're wondering what changes is Sean Diossi going to make to Seattle's defense? Now also, okay, while we're on the topic of Seattle's defense, you know, like what's going to happen with Bobby Wagner? He has one year left on his deal and he has a $20 million cap hit. 
slated for this year. However, you know, like if Seattle cuts them, then they may be able to take a little bit of money off the books, rip a little bit more cap space. What's going to happen with Bobby Wagner? Now, normally, we don't see no players get cut or anything into around the start of the new league year. And that's when we start to see all these transactions start to take place. But if you had to ask me, hey, JT, make a guess. Yes or no. Do you think that Bobby Wagner is going to be a Seattle Seahawk Next season, I think he is. Honestly, like, I think if Seattle releases Bobby Wagner, I think it's going to be a mutual parting. I think it's going to be Bobby Wagner wanting to play somewhere else and Seattle wanting to move on. But I think if Bobby Wagner wants to remain in Seattle, I think he's going to remain in Seattle. Because it's not like Bobby Wagner's play has just went from elite to bad like he's still one of the better linebackers one of the best linebackers in the game so I mean like what really is the reason for getting rid of him like I know he's up there in age but if you have somebody who's up there in age who's still producing at a very high level what's the point of releasing him so I don't really understand well I do understand a little bit of the Bobby Wagner speculation but I'm having a really hard time seeing him getting released by the Seattle Seahawks unless he wants to move on and play elsewhere in Seattle. But if Wagner wants to stay a Seattle Seahawk, I don't really see, you know, too many issues where he wouldn't remain a Seattle Seahawk as long as he continues to play the way he has and his play doesn't just decline so bad that he becomes one of the worst linebackers in the league. Like, as long as he plays like a top 10 linebacker, like I think he has this past season, I think he's going to remain a Seahawk. However, you know, like Seattle has... A huge issue when it comes to their secondary. And their secondary has kind of been a issue ever since, you know, they got rid of guys like Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, or Earl Thomas. Like, their secondary never really has been the same ever since, you know, all those guys disbanded. So, you got to improve cornerback. We know that. What's going to happen at safety with Quandre Diggs right now currently a pending free agent? Then you got left tackle Dwayne Brown. He's also a pending free agent. You got tight ends Gerald Everett, Will Disley, who are also pending free agents. Now, Seattle is going to have the money to bring back a couple of these guys. They have $35 million and some change in cap space. And I also think that they have the potential to free up some more cap space as well. So now you're going to have the opportunity to keep Dwayne Brown, you know, maybe Quandre Diggs, but also you finally can, you know, maybe have a little bit of money to go out and get some of the players that maybe Russell Wilson would want you to get. Because once again, seems like for another consecutive offseason, we have some Russell Wilson trade speculation. Now last offseason, you know, like we heard these offseason trade rumors when it came to Russell Wilson and that Russell Wilson most definitely was going to get traded just to see Russell Wilson start the season as a Seattle Seahawks as their starting quarterback. So like there's always a lot of trade speculation when it comes to Russell Wilson. I guess it's just one of those things that's going to happen every single offseason. We're going to wonder, hey, what's going to happen with Russell Wilson in Seattle? But if there was ever an offseason for Russell Wilson to go out and, you know, kind of make some recommendations 
You know, this would be the offseason because now Seattle's front office can't hit you with the, oh, Russell, man, we we would like to sign them. We just don't have the money or we would like to improve this position, Mr. Wilson. We love you a lot, but we just can't because we don't have the money. Now you have the money to go ahead and get some of these players that Russell Wilson wants. You have the money now to improve some of the positions that Russell Wilson wants you to improve. On top of that, you also can, you know, maybe get you a solid quarterback. So there are a lot of options for Seattle this offseason. And I'm willing to bet money, money that Seattle will not have a losing record next season. Because, like, I still believe in Pete Carroll being a really good coach. I still think that Pete Carroll is a top 10 coach in this league, which may sound crazy to a lot of you guys watching this, but I'm not ready to throw the white flag on Pete Carroll yet, okay? Like, I still love Pete Carroll, and maybe I do have a little bit of bias towards Pete Carroll because he's one of my favorite coaches in the league. However, you know, like, Pete Carroll made some critical changes on the defensive side of the football. And maybe he's going to make some more changes schematically also. So I think that Pete Carroll is starting to recognize that, hey, you know, like what used to work for me a couple of years ago isn't working now. I have to make some changes. And that's what Pete Carroll is going to have to do if he wants to remain a head coach in the NFL. Because as you get older, you know, there are going to be more and more people who are going to start questioning, you know, your ability to adapt. And the longer you stay with a team, you know, there are going to be more people who are going to criticize you when certain changes aren't being made. And, you know, Pete Carroll has met the first part of the challenge, which is making those changes, you know, getting rid of Ken Norton Jr., you know, firing a couple of position coaches on the defense side of football and bringing in some new blood. So for Pete Carroll, I'm interested in seeing if the overhaul that he made to the defensive staff is going to improve Seattle overall as a team because I think it should because last year I felt like Seattle's defense could have been a top 10 unit so maybe next year with defense according to Sean Diossi this defense ends up returning to the defense that we saw back in their prime years 2013 2014 even if they don't return to that you know you're wondering if your defense can just go back to being above average or go back to being good Because over the last couple of years, Seattle's defenses have been average to below average. Average at best. So, I'm really intrigued in seeing how these offseason changes to the coaching staff is going to affect Seattle. You guys let me know how you guys feel about the state of the franchise for the Seattle Seahawks if you guys are watching this on YouTube. Because you look at, if you're asking me, I'm still very confident in Seattle. However, do I view them as legitimate Super Bowl contender? Not really, but I wouldn't be surprised if next season end up making a run at one. You know, like they do, they could have the time to do so depending on how they address, you know, their positions of needs this offseason. But I definitely feel like Seattle is going to bounce back and that this franchise right now still is one of the best and one of the best well-ran organizations in all of the NFL. Like I know I repeated myself, but basically what I'm trying to say is that Seattle is still one of the top tier organizations in the NFL. They may not be the best, 
But they're still in that conversation. I still think that this is a well-ran franchise. I still think that Pete Carroll is a really good head coach. And maybe I'm somebody who, you know, I'm still a little bit hesitant to accept the fact that Pete Carroll isn't a great head coach anymore. Maybe, you know, the game has passed him, but it's time for Seattle part ways or it's time for him to hang it up. But for right now, you know, I'm still very high on Seattle as an organization. And I expect this team to bounce back next season. However, I'm still going to be keeping my eyes out on what they do this offseason.